G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. A very special guest with me in the studio this week, Adam Lowe, who's an ordained minister in the Uniting Church movement. He served as the lead pastor of the Real Life Christian Church since 2015, so a little while now. Adam, thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. I love the name of your church, the Real Life Christian Church. Yeah. What's the story? Who, who came up with that? Oh, I could probably take some of the blame for that. <laughs> um, uh, so a few years ago, we just really felt that uh, as a church that wanted to, um, that was known uh, geographically, that we had the capacity maybe to expand beyond our location. So we didn't want our name to necessarily capture just the location. Just the location. Uniting Church. And yeah. so this idea of real life was uh, that, that in Christ we find the real life we were designed for, but also that sense of and not wanting to have a, a glossy veneer about life. Let's be real and earthy about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's actually Virginia. got some inherent meaning in mm, it, mm. and it is tied very closely you know, to the fact that the gospel brings life. Yeah. You know, the, the scriptures tell us that we're a new creation, yeah. born again, really. So love it. I know it must be pretty hard trying to come up with a name for a church um, because the obvious one is the ex-location yeah, yeah. Christian church. Mm. And there's a few out there that I kind of look at them and go, I don't know what that actually means, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, trying to be cool or something, but um, yeah. no, it's good. Love yeah, it. Yeah, great. And looking forward to getting to know you a little bit uh, today as mm. well. Just give us the quick pricey, um, you know, the elevator pitch of who is Adam Lowe? <laughs> uh, Adam Lowe is a South Australian-born, Adelaide-bred, uh, Baptist church attending, um, migrate to Uniting Church guy. Who, okay. Who landed in Queensland about eight and a half years ago. Uh, all right. And got married and had a few kids along the way? I did. I, I married up uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> married a, a beautiful person. Her name's Claire. And actually, she serves as the associate pastor at our church on staff with us. That's, oh, right. that's been the last five or six years sharing that together. And we have two boys uh, who are both uh, um, living at home, but in their university years or just freshly graduated. So okay. in that great stage oh, of that's, life. Oh, that's exciting. Mm. Exciting times. Mm. What drives you in ministry, Adam? I feel like uh, what I experienced as a young adult, which was a radical encounter with Jesus and the sense that his way for my life was far more fruitful, that I just can't keep that to myself. And so if I was to describe what drives me, it's helping people discover their God-given potential, Mm. seeing them find life, real life, Mm. in faith in Jesus Christ, and then growing into the fullness of that. You know, the Apostle Paul talks in Colossians, you know, one twenty eight, presenting everyone mature in Christ. Like that that kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. The mm. opportunity to see that unfold in people's lives is I still haven't lost the the glow about that, to be honest. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. And my guest and co-host with me in the studio this week, Adam Lowe, who is from the Real Life Christian Church uh, on the the very south end of Brisbane, or Logan technically, Mm -hmm. the city of Logan, uh, has been around uh, pastoral leadership for for quite a number of years, a couple of kids, learned a lot of things over life. This is a big question, Adam, coming here. 
if you had to had to boil it all down, all of that experience, is there a thread that runs through all of that that says, this is the big lesson for me, the, the thing that really stands out? Mm. Um, I think w- one of the big takeaways I would have on life right now if I had to pass it on would simply be that God is indeed the God of immeasurably more mm. than we could ask or imagine and the God of surprises. Have you seen that in your life? Um, I, well, the fact that uh, I, I get to do what I do, uh, quite a radical, re- uh, even the call to come to where I currently minister, uh, uh, seeing God at work in that. There's a story of us, we were traveling, we we're on holidays, we like to camp, and we we're traveling through Western Australia and up then around to the north from South Australia where mm. we'd been residing at the time. And we were in conversation with the congregation in Queensland we now serve at about whether we would come, and we hadn't shared that with our kids, and we ended up. Uh, with some car troubles, having to uh, stop in Alice Springs earlier and longer than we'd thought. Right, eh? Our boys made some caravan park friends. So they're on the jumping pillow and, and making friends with a couple of boys. And and uh, they think nothing of it. Our boys didn't know we are in this conversation about potentially moving states. And so we come home and we uh, um, fly up to, to Queensland, fly up to Brisbane to explore, to investigate. We let our boys know we are doing that. And then as uh, we get home and start to talk them through um, where we might be going and the school that uh, our particular congregation uh, has that they would attend, they're flicking through the yearbook and they go, Mum, Dad, the two (laughs) boys we met in Alice Springs, they go to that school. They'll be in the same year level. That's amazing. And sure enough, they did. They ended up in the same school, same classrooms with guys they'd already met and God just was kind of saying, I've already gone ahead of you. Preparing the way for you. I'm preparing the way. Yeah. There's immeasurably more than we could have asked or imagined. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, and the incredible thing is you had no idea. You can't see those things coming. No. But you've just got to keep stepping out in faith. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And he's so faithful. He's so faithful. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, My guest and co-host today, Adam Lowe, uh, who's from Real Life Christian Church, and you get to lead us in communion soon, Adam. So. Just as we prepare our heart for communion, what would you say is, is a good way to do that? Yeah, I think that uh, we, we approach this really important meal that Jesus gave us with both a sense of gratitude and a sense of um, repentance and reflection. And so I think it's good to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, much like King David did, mm. and see if there's anything that is interfering with our walk with him. Assured of forgiveness but wanting to come to it with mm. a sense of gratitude for that forgiveness and a sense of returning and, and aligning ourselves again with God's best for our lives. Mm. Well, that's coming up very soon. So now's a good time if you're in a position to do so, prepare some elements to represent the body and blood of Christ. And, you know, maybe you're driving your car or something this morning. Well, you can bring your heart and be part of this as well because God is most interested in our heart more than anything else. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio. It's time to take communion together. Now, if you've just tuned in, you're thinking communion on the radio. Well, yes, you can be part of this. Uh, Whether you have some elements ready or not that represent the body and blood of Christ, I just invite you, lean forward, bring your heart. Communion's a great opportunity for us to look back at what Jesus did on the cross, to look inside and examine ourselves, and also look forward and declare that he is coming again. And my guest and co-host today uh, is from uh, the Real Life Christian Church in Logan uh, in southeast Queensland. Adam Lowe is going to lead us in communion today. So, Adam, it's over to you. Thank you very much. Well, friends, as we come around this communion meal together, wherever you are, 
I want to encourage you with this thought about what this meal both reminds us of and points us to. And in doing that, I want to share with you, I'm an avid sports follower. I I love sports. I'm an AFL fan. And uh, recently in uh, this year's AFL season, my team uh, had a a phenomenal victory where they were able to win the game with a kick after the siren. It was very, very exciting. They had snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. But the thing that's really exciting when you follow a sporting team is that after there's a victory, no matter how it's been won, is you get to follow them down and whatever the sport might be, I think this is universally true, after the win comes the singing of the club song. And the club song is powerful because it says something about who we are, says something about what we stand for, and it says something about what we're expecting. And the club song for my team does certainly, certainly does those things. And it strikes me that the communion meal is something that Jesus actually gave us that is not unlike a club victory song. It's not unlike this opportunity for us to be reminded of who we are, what's been done to achieve victory, and the fact that we are anticipating the fullness of further victory in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he's re- in, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 11, he's recorded as saying this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And in the consuming of these elements, friends, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to remember his body given for us and his blood poured out for us, which pays for the sin that keeps us from God. But then Paul says this, and this is where I think it's like the club song, even though communion is so much more than just a club song for us. But Paul says in verse 26, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, we get in the sharing of this meal to speak about Christ's victory, both in us, for us, and for others, and be reminded of all that that's achieved and does achieve for us. And in that, I can declare this to you, wherever you are listening to this, in Christ, your sins are forgiven. And so friends, as we gather around this meal, I'd invite you to take the bread. I'd invite you to start to eat it and to remember Christ's body given for you. And to do that with a sense of the victory that's been won, with a sense of celebration and with joy and with thanksgiving. The body of Christ given for you. Why don't we eat that together now? And likewise, take the cup as Paul instructed. Take this juice or this wine or whatever you've got that's symbolizing the blood of Christ. Remember, this is Christ's blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And let's take some time to drink this together and to do so just like we did with the bread with a sense of victory and joy and gratitude. Let's drink together. I say, Lord, we want to come in prayer now. We want to thank you for dying for our sin. We want to thank you for winning us victory because you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave to make life possible for all of us, forgiven, cleansed, set free with hope for the future and hope for eternity. We thank you for this forgiveness. Help us to walk in it and to walk in your way 
as in doing this, we declare, not only to ourselves, but for everybody else, through the sharing of this meal, the victory of Christ for all, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday morning together, across Australia, on Vision Christian Radio. Well, we get to know, get to know our guest and my co-host this morning, Pastor Adam Lowe, who's from Real Life Christian Church. Uh, that's a uniting church, but you mentioned earlier on, Adam, that you came out of the Baptist Church. Yeah, I switch I, codes, so, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Adelaide and and uh, attended. Well, we attended the church that was at the end of our street. We, oh, could, okay. we could walk to it. Oh, well, that, was, that's always a good thing. Yeah, it was a church called Clovercrest Baptist Church in the northeastern suburbs of of Adelaide. Okay, so well, let's go back to the beginning. Born in Adelaide. Mm, uh, yeah. Are you game enough to say when that was? Yeah, nineteen seventy five. Wow. Yeah, a few years ago. It, yeah, it was a few, and uh, I grew up. Yeah, was able to walk to primary school. Was able to walk to church yeah. and. Uh, Lived in in the northeastern suburbs of Adelaide for the first thirty three years of my life. So, what do you remember of Adelaide in the late seventies? Oh well, I mean, I was pretty young still in the late seventies, oh, even into the eighties. You know, when yeah. you were, when you were a kid. Oh, it, it's the twenty minute city. Like uh, you could get to anywhere within twenty minutes. Um, so that was cool. Uh, it it was dry and hot. In summer, <laughs> it still is. <laughs> it still is. Um, but it was pretty simple. Yeah. It was a simple place and, and things were easy. You know, I could ride my bike around from sun up till sundown and no one would ask a question. Yeah. And as long as I was back by dinner, no problem. Yeah. And, and all me and my mates, we would do it. We would do that. It was just that kind of time. So what sort of family context were you born into? Yeah, I, I mum and dad, uh, older brother, younger sister. And uh, we would, I would describe us as, we, we probably started out on um, fairly... Meager means we, we we had a house we were, mm-hmm. we were looked after, but we wouldn't have been the wealthiest people on the street. And and I watched as my mum, you know, she returned to work, and kind of really between that and and my and my dad, who they both just sacrificed to give us kids opportunity. We kind of steadily just worked our way to the point where I was able to attend a, a, a Christian school, a private school uh, for my high school years, mm. and uh, just out of the overflow of my mum and dad. So it sounds like there was some Christian connection there. We attended church every week. And uh, we were able to walk, which actually means you're often late to church because you're so close. <laughs> I think the closer you live, isn't it the- funny how that happens? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I started attending boys' brigade. Okay, uh, on a you know on a Monday night or whatever night of the week it was, and, and lighting fires and uh, yeah, uh, was learning all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it was like Christian Boy Scouts. It yeah. was great. Uh, and then started to attend the church and uh, developed a love of basketball. Started playing basketball for the. Church's basketball club, okay, and attending church uh, all the way through, uh, you know, into my adult years. Yeah, so I'm curious. You said before, uh, you know, something to the effect of you had a, a, a transformation in your life. There was a mm. moment where mm. uh, I guess God came alive. Yeah, not your words, but that's how I'm interpreting yeah. what you said. Yeah. How, so, so how did that place you in your childhood? Because you're telling yeah. me you, you know, you're in church. Yeah, I went to church and I knew about God, uh, and I believed in God. I just don't think I had a personal relationship with right. God. And I got to the end of year 12. I, I, I did year 12 uh, twice. And so I got to the uh, by necessity if I wanted yeah, to get enjoyed it university. so much you wanted to do it again. I, yeah, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> and look, the honest answer is as bright a student as I might have been, I was a lazy student. And I was busy pursuing other pursuits that maybe weren't the best thing. Right. And, uh, and so I got to the end of my year 12 year and got my results and saw that. And I remember going to the backyard of my parents' home and feeling like it was spinning. Like I hadn't got a result that would mm. move me forward in life. And I had this revelation that perhaps leading my own life 
with me in charge was not actually going so well. And this God who I'd been hearing about my whole life, and, and our church had had a, a relatively new kind of senior leader come, and, and, and he was preaching in a way that just, I, I got concerned he was reading my mail every week. It was just so <laughs> where I was at, yeah. uh, together with some of the other leaders at the church. And, and I got to this moment where I said, God, if you are real, then I need to know you personally. And mm. if you have plans for my life, then that's what I want. And if you have gifts for me, I want them all. Mm. And I just felt uh, uh, Jesus enter my life in a really personal, profound way. And I started to experience, the, I guess, a growing intimacy with this God I'd grown up learning about and starting to realize he wants to know me personally in a real relational way. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody ever have that because of a school result. Yeah. Well, it was probably the culmination of some dissatisfaction with with what I'd been doing with my life that resulted in that school result. Mm. I, I mentioned earlier that I I, uh, I love basketball or I, or I started to play basketball at the church. And basketball had become an idol. Like I mean, in every sense, an idol. It's where I found my worth. It's where I found my identity, mm. a capacity to play a sport at a certain level. And I was I was pretty good. And I was playing in, you know some representative basketball. But uh, and, you know, all the other things you do as a teenager, you think, you know, relationships, having a girlfriend, all these things are really, really important. Mm. And then realizing that these things weren't actually satisfying a deep, a deep mm. sense of purpose and worth in my life. Mm. And so, yeah, that the, the school result kind of just capped that off and highlighted that. And I realized I need more. Mm. Yeah. So second time around for year 12, what was different? What did you do differently? Yeah, I. it was interesting. I was ready to move on from the school that I was at. So I actually did start a couple of days back at the school that I'd attended and I just realized I can't do this here. I, I was ready to go on. So I went to an adult reentry college and did did okay. a year 12 as if it were like uni. Yeah. It was it was structured like that. And, and I uh, started to develop some disciplines around what I needed to do. I certainly had developed this relationship with, with Jesus. I was praying and realized that I needed to steward my life. I needed to, me doing year 12 and doing it well was not just about me giving myself opportunities in life. It was actually mm. stewarding an opportunity that God had given me to use the gifts and capacities that I had. Mm. That's a really interesting concept because we often tend to think of our life as our own mm. and you know, stewarding though, looking up and saying, okay, my life is actually a gift Yeah, and there are certain things I'm good at, some things I'm not good at, but I certainly need to... Uh, more steward mm. th- those things. Yeah, and at do you that think age, most people don't think about that? Do they? No, they don't. And at that age, I probably wouldn't have used the word steward, but I just mm. had this sense of you know, I, I, I've got something here. I've, I've got, got something to, here. I've got to do something with it. It's, yeah, and I should, I should look after it well. And, yeah. and do it well. Yeah, uh, I think it's such a really critical thing because in in that stewarding, I learned. Well, this is actually great for me. That God wants good things for me in my life. He wants a, you know, an abundant life for me, not an easy life. And you mm. know, I had to struggle. I had to work. School um, work. I, I like learning. I don't like assignment work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had to do the work and, and learn some disciplines and some character things. But, but it was good for me. And I mm. realized it was good for me. Mm. And so I stopped resisting and started leaning into those things. Mm. That's good. So, um, yeah, uni. Where did you ultimately end up and studying? Yeah. Well, I still I got to the end of my year thirteen, my second lot of year twelve. I <laughs> still didn't know what I was supposed to do with my life, and I ended up by default uh, applying for a, a university degree in teaching or a science degree with teaching mixed through it. And I got about six months into that and knew that I loved the teaching, but I was a bit over you know maths and physics at university level. 
And so I probably just tread water really for about another 18 months and right. ended up getting into a business management degree. Right. And I felt like I was a fish in water. Yeah. And that transition was probably the first time in my life I'd really actually ask God, what do you want me to study? What do you want me to do in this area? Mm. And through a sequence of events, I ended up being able to transfer into this business management degree. Mm. Loved it. I'm, I'm always interested when I hear people talk in those terms. It, you know, I ask God a question. Mm. Did you get an answer? And how? Yeah. So I, I had lots of answers, and they came in lots of different forms. So I had... People at my church, the young adult community, and my pastor there who who were praying for me. Me, I was honest and saying I'm really struggling with where I should go. And I also pursued aptitude testing at the university. Mm. And between those two things, I think God gave me an answer. The aptitude testing came back and said, it doesn't really matter what you do, Adam. The way you're wired, you'll end up in leadership or, or, or these kinds of things. So why don't you try a business degree? Or, you know, uh, that, that was their advice. Combined with an affirmation of leadership and, and calling in a sense of through the, the people of the church I trusted saying, hey, we think that would actually be a good thing for you too. Mm. You know, those things converged as an answer from God for me. So what was it about business that floated your boat? Well, I'd never thought about it. No one in my family had ever done that kind of thing. Um, I just really enjoyed the strategy, the the outcome. You could do something and produce an outcome, uh, and that didn't have to be about making money. It wasn't about the making money. It was just about making stuff happen mm. that I really, really enjoyed. Mm. And make some money along the way. Kind yeah, of kind of helps got to pay the bills. That's right. That's helpful. <laughs> Today you're pastoring. So that's a bit of a leap from business to pastoring yeah. a church, some might say. How'd that happen? Yeah. Well, I had a sense of a call to vocational ministry, a surprising call to vocational ministry when I was about 20 years of age. So in that transition from the teaching degree to the business management degree, and that came in a prayer meeting. I was involved with our church, uh, which is a fairly large church with a youth emphasis, and we we're doing an outreach, and we'd been joined by a team from another church interstate, and it was my turn in the prayer room during the event, mm-hmm. and I just felt God say, this thing you're doing, as I'd volunteered as a youth leader by this stage, this thing you're doing, I want you to do with your whole life. And I was stunned, mm. absolutely stunned. So I shared this, reluctantly shared this news with- What, then and there? Uh, well, to start, to start then and there, I, well, I, I shared the news of what God had said with my, the, a couple of the pastors from the visiting church yep. uh, we were partnering with and my own pastors and uh, had affirmation, but also got uh, this advice from my pastors, you should finish your degree, get a job, and then you know we'll see God's hand on you if this call is real. And uh, I didn't like hearing that at the time, <laughs> but at the same time, in hindsight, it was great advice. Mm. And so, you know, after four years in the business world, I, an opportunity to join staff at the church I'd grown up in as the Youth and Young Adults Pastor uh, appeared. And, um, and I felt like it was time to, to make that transition. Okay. Mm. And one thing led to another, and here you are now, you know, the lead pastor at, at a thriving church, um, um, no longer in Adelaide, but now in, yeah. in Brisbane. Oh, it's been an adventure. I loved Youth and Young Adults Ministry, I should say that, and I got to do that, you know, full-time uh, or paid, you know, for, for about seven, seven and a half years um, and learned a lot of things, learned how to work too hard so and learned how to not maybe take care of myself so yep. well on the journey. So yep. I had a bit of space out of ministry, um, but then, and which is how I ended up in the United Church in, in re-engaging. But, yeah, then I got, I say, demoted to senior leadership because Youth and Young Adults Ministry was so great and so fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then I had the great privilege of being able to give 
senior leadership for in a couple of different contexts over the last 15 years. One of my guests in the last couple of weeks had done a lot of youth ministry and he used to carry a plaster repair kit in his yeah, car. That's, Was that you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very <laughs> wise thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even whether the youth did or didn't make the plaster hole, they'll get blamed for it. Oh, of so. course they will. <laughs> of course they will. Yeah. Okay, so today you've got a lovely wife, two mm-hmm. boys. So where did you and your wife meet? So we met at at the church, Clovercrest Baptist Church, and I was a youth leader volunteering in the youth department, and my wife Claire was a young adults leader mm-hmm. um, leading. We're the same age, um, but I was actually in the same life group or, or home group as a young adult uh, with 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 Claire, and so we got to build a great friendship uh, in that regard. Was there a moment, you know, where you? kind of got each other's attention across the room or something like that, or was it just well, more of a, an unfolding? It was kind of an unfolding, but uh, when I mentioned that I'd shared with the visiting pastor this sense of call, uh, he took me aside at the end of this week of outreach we'd had and having shared that with him and just to affirm it, and he said, Adam, I want to give you a whole lot of advice about if God's going to you know, move you into to a vocational ministry, or this kind of calling, and one of those things was, you want to believe God for a, for a godly partner who will partner with you, believe in what you're doing. And while we're sitting there, we are in a McDonald's. We are eating McDonald's food. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm not even there. And all I could see was Claire's face. And I hardly knew her at that point. Mm. And I remember him snapping his fingers in front of me going, Adam, are you here? Are you here? And I said, yeah, yeah, what's that? And I didn't realize. But I just saw her face. It was so amazing. Mm. Um, and I hadn't thought about her beyond friendship or even dating or anything. But all of a sudden after that, for some reason, I became aware that she really is this beautiful, godly person. And, and we have so much in common. And it kind of unfolded from there. Well, the big question is, did she have the same revelation? Well, let's just say. <laughs> it took a while. I'm glad God spoke to her. Oh, good. <laughs> Maybe not the revelation, but there was a great journey. We built a great friendship, and if that's all that we'd had, then then that would have been okay. But we're so glad that God had more for us. What don't we know about Adam? Is there a an inner muso, or a, <laughs> you know, you're a motorcycle rider, or what is it? No, there's nothing quite like that. None I mean, of that? What I'm happy to share with you is I, uh, because of my South Australian heritage, I am passionate about a good chocolate donut. Uh-huh. And, uh, now, I, hang on. Sorry. What's the connection here between South Australia and chocolate donuts? Because well, that, that's the place where I have found the best bakery okay. chocolate donuts. Because yeah. they don't have an exclusivity on chocolate donuts. No, they donuts. don't. They don't. But there is, for me, just something different about what they produce there. And Okay. So- it's probably good I don't live in South Australia anymore. It's good for my health because I. <laughs> <laughs> they do sell them in Southeast Queensland. Well, as they well. do, but you know, I'm probably become a donut snob these days. If oh, you, if okay. Is that a phrase, donut snob? Yeah, I don't be. know. But, yeah. What else don't we know? Uh, I'm a Port Power supporter. I'm pretty avidly. Uh, su- I love the AFL. I love basketball. And uh, I still listen to 90s rock uh-huh. occasionally when I'm not listening to. More contemporary worship music. Okay. Oh, that's that's very interesting. What what would your wife say about you? Do you think if she she had to describe you? Oh, I think she would say he's quirky, has a strange sense of humour. He loves movies. I love stories. Yeah. She would say that he yeah. loves stories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some things she could say that I won't be sharing here. But <laughs> that's yeah. all right. We, we'll leave those ones uh, where they are. I guess you know. You've been married for a few years now, so 1997, I understand. You got yeah. married. so Yeah, 26 years this year. A lot of stories, a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah, we. I have loved, I'm so blessed. It's not always been easy, and uh, 
but it's always been great. Mm. And I mean that sincerely. Mm. Um, but I think that's because we made sure, we made this commitment before we're married. This is a no matter what marriage. No matter what happens, we're committing to this. Yep. No matter what. Now, I know that it can get challenging and hard, and but we just made that resolve and through some, some pretty significant challenges at times, but also through some wonderful ups. Mm. It's been a great journey. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, your two boys understand, you said before, they're at university. Yeah. Um, what are they studying and, and where are they going to end up, do you think? Yeah, so my oldest son, uh, Isaiah, he has just completed his business degree. Uh, and that They're was following in dad's footsteps. Yeah, well, not, not intentionally. There was no um, coercion or encouragement for us to do that. It's just where he seemed to find his sweet spot and did really, really well. And he's currently working at Boeing, um, pursuing oh. the start of his career. Wow. Yeah, so that's great. And my younger son, Daniel, is uh, studying Western Civilizations at the University of Queensland. Okay. The study of Western civilizations. It is a fascinating, relatively new degree that's exploring how we in Western civilization came to be how we are. Mm. Our beliefs, religion, sociology, economics. It's, there's a whole str- a series of strands of things that they study and come together. That the, Interestingly, I would imagine Christianity would feature pretty highly in that sort of study, wouldn't it? Yes, it does. And in fact, you know, he was doing one subject where they they looked exclusively at the book of Genesis uh, from a secular point of view, but understanding the Judeo-Christian, you know, heritage that informs who we are in Western civilization and the very significant place it has to play. Mm. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your life today, Adam. Mm. Been really good to get to know you. Pleasure. Uh, now, shortly, you get to sow some good seeds into into us as we listen this morning to the best five-minute sermon we'll hear today from you, so no pressure. Yeah, yeah no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I know five-minute sermon can be pretty hard sometimes for yeah. a preacher, but um, what have we got coming up? Oh, I guess I want to encourage us to think about this great call to connect that, that, that we carry with us and, and to lean into that God-given desire to connect. Sunday morning together. On Vision Christian Radio. And it's time for the best five-minute sermon that you will hear today, brought to you by Pastor Adam Lowe, who is the lead pastor of Real Life uh, Christian Church. Now, I'm sure you've preached a few over the years, uh, Adam. Not sure about how many five-minute sermons you've done, <laughs> but uh, you know, you've been in a large suburban and rural context, youth pastor, young adults pastor, an executive pastor, and a school chaplain. Yeah. In amongst all that, I'm sure there's been some good stuff. So yeah, it's over to you. Wow, thank you very much. You know, I was doing a bit of research recently and uh, I started to think about how we connect as human beings. And here's some interesting information I want to share with you. The internet, as we understand it, was birthed in 1981. 1981 was the first time we managed to get computers and then the people operating those computers to communicate with one another. If you fast forward 10 years... 1990, there were then 300,000 desktop computers connected around the world. If we jump forward another 10 years, that moves to 300 million desktop computers connected. If we jump forward to 2016, we have 2 billion mobile phones connected around the globe. That's a lot of connection. And something has to be driving that. If we jump to 2023 this year, let me give you some statistics that might blow your mind. 13 billion kettles, fridges, freezers, TVs, thermostats, security cameras, smoke detectors, and those kinds of things connected globally to the internet in our homes. 3.5 billion navigation systems and entertainment systems connected in our cars. 411 million wristbands, shoes, 
glasses, watches, clothing, and wearable things all connected so they can communicate with one another. And 9.7 billion buildings, streetlights, traffic lights, water pipes, parking meters, pollution monitors, all those kinds of things connected to the internet, talking to one another all the way around the globe. And the question I think we need to ask as we think about that is what would drive us to create technology that would enable that level of connection? And possibly, yes, it's convenience and possibly, yes, it's efficiency. But behind that, I think, driving the invention and development of technology like that is this human desire. We yearn to connect. We are yearning to be connected with others. And I reckon there's a reason why. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read these words. It says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And there's this glimpse that we see God is in community, even within himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he refers to himself as us when he's talking about creating humankind. And so then when we are created in his image, we are designed for community, intimate community with others. In fact, the, the wonder is that we're invited into that community that God has within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One theologian described that as the divine dance, that we get invited into the dance. And as human beings, we get to experience that with God and with one another. We are designed to connect with God and connect with one another. Just so critical. The Apostle Paul writes about this need for connection and the way God arranges us in his letter to the Corinthians, in his first letter in chapter 12. We read these verses from 12 to 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And he goes on a few verses later in 25 to 27. He says, there, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We are created with a desire to play a part in something bigger than ourselves. That's a God-given desire. And so we need to be very careful not to resist that desire to connect in healthy ways. That's why it's important to be a part of a church community and a faith community so that we can actually understand the part of the body that we've been created to play and play our part because in that is real life, serving and knowing who we are and how we've been created to play our part. A number of years ago, I worked for a company called Johnson & Johnson and I sat in a medical presentation where they presented on the outcome of new research into infant massage of premature babies. And what they discovered through their research was that what had been the long-standing practice of really leaving premature babies kind of very to themselves in a humidity crib or something to just look after themselves in a sense, not touch them, they're fragile. And what they learned is when they started to massage these children, they started to thrive. 
And then they started to thrive so much that they had to stop the research because the babies being massaged as part of the research were thriving so much. And I remember sitting in that room as a business person and the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, Adam, you see, I've created you for touch and connection. People are created. We thrive in connection. And so my friends, I want to encourage you with this thought, wherever you are, lean into the connections that God has given around you. Lean into your local faith community. If you don't have one, find one where you can. And if you can't find one easily, lean into the connections that digital capacity gives us ability to do. And we're doing that right now. I want to encourage you. God made you to be a part of something bigger than yourselves. You've got a part to play in that body. And I want to encourage you to step into it and discover that real life. And in doing that, I want to pray for you. Lord, I want to thank you in community, even within yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you've given us opportunity to participate in community with you and community with others. And I'd pray you'd give us the courage, particularly at this point in our history, beyond pandemics and other things where we experienced isolation, to lean into the connections around us. Give us courage to do that. Help us to find the life that we can when we know the way you've shaped us to play a part of something bigger like your body, where you are the head giving us lead. And I pray you would bless all who've heard this this morning. May it encourage them and build them up. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Thank you so much, Adam, for that great message about connection. You're so right. We yearn for connection, Mm, don't we? Yeah. Really do. And I was amazed, those figures you shared about uh, the internet, yeah, it's just incredible uh, that you know. <laughs> there's so many things that are connected these days, yet we're <laughs> we're not as connected as we really you know used to be. Yeah, that's the great irony is that we've never been more connected, and digital technology enables us to do that. And then the research would show that we probably have never felt more isolated. Mm. So we're driven by something, but we're staggering the number of millions and the rate at which connection increased yes. over those few decades. Well, look, everything's connected these days. We put a, a new air con in at home. Uh, the old one died and, you know, the new one is, is Wi-Fi connected. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, yeah. it can be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can talk to my solar panels on my house just over my phone. Incredible. Do you have a good conversation? Well, yeah. It's, what uh, do they say? Well, it's illuminating. Uh, it's uh, it's <laughs> uh, terrible. Boom, boom. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's it. He's here all week. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier on, Adam, that uh, you and your family like to go Camping. Mm. What kind of camping are we talking about here? Is this uh, the real roughing it sort of style, or is it uh, you know caravanning or something like that? Well, we we've we've graduated. We we own a four wheel drive and we like to get off the beaten track. Okay, but we do that with a camper trailer. Okay, and that comes with a fair bit of stuff that's a little glamping as well as camping. Okay, the coffee machine. Uh, don't take a coffee machine, no. but we do have a fridge freezer. We do have yeah some of those mod realities that we're not waiting for the ice to melt. In the in the esky while we camp. <laughs> yeah. No, no, some of that modern stuff is actually really good. I, I'm in the same the same league as you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually very convenient uh, being able to, to have that, oh, that just kind incredible. of thing. And Australia is so beautiful. So many places that if you have the capacity to get off the beaten track to see, it's mm. just so worthwhile mm. that you just wouldn't see other. You've done a fair bit of travel around Australia. You mentioned earlier on. Um, mm. Have you got a favourite place? Um, my most recent trip was to the Flinders Ranges to Woolpena Pound. Ah, yes, been there, great and spot. And we climbed uh, one of the highest peaks and stared out over what is some of the most beautiful desert slash ranges that I think are around anywhere. Yeah. 
The other place I'd list is Karajini National Park in Western Australia. Okay, haven't been been there. It is beautiful. Yeah, five five. Whereabouts gorges. is that? So it's just uh, on your way to Karatha, but it's kind of uh, you know beyond Kalgoorlie near Newman, uh, Tom Price, kind of along the way in the mining region, and there's five beautiful gorges mm. all below ground level. So you wouldn't see them if you were just driving past. You have to right. stop and climb down into them and just incredible. Okay. Well, good morning if you're listening in that part of the world. Yeah. Maybe there's a you know something you can do this afternoon. <laughs> oh, yes, we've been meaning to go out there, out there or plan a trip. There's plenty of great places to go around Australia. It's such a mm. wonderful country that yeah. uh, you know the fingerprints of God are everywhere. That's right. Uh, all around us. It's been an interesting week this week in terms of news. One of the stories that got my attention. In fact, it was uh, last Sunday that this occurred. The ACT government uh, took over the Calvary mm. uh, Hospital yeah. and then subsequently took the cross down and any other kind of religious uh, you know, symbols and things uh, around the place. It was, it was a lot of despair that was being communicated around that, that yeah. the cross was being taken down. How does that, that kind of thing make you feel, Adam, and just about kind of where, where we're at? Yeah. As a nation. Yeah. I mean, obviously, to see those things happen is disappointing. Um, but I I tend to hold to this reality that Jesus talked about in John 5.17. He said, my father's always at work, and I too am at working. And so my, my view would be, as we look around, and I talk to some of my colleagues in ministry and, and people in other churches, I, I think we are seeing an awakening in our nation. I think that whether it was highlighted by things like the pandemic or other things that we're experiencing, that the things that the average Australian perhaps has thought would hold water for them in terms of satisfying and giving meaning just don't. And mm. I know in our context, in our congregation, we are seeing almost weekly people who will arrive. And when I ask them, how did you find us? They go, well, we Googled you, but but actually we don't have a church background. Or, or if we do, it was a long time ago when I was a child. I hardly remember it. I just felt like I needed to be here. They're looking for something of they significance. They're looking. Yeah. And I actually think we are experiencing a time in our nation, I'm going to go out there boldly and say that, where I think the harvest is very, very ripe. Mm. I think people are open mm. if we communicate the hope we have in respectful and um, winsome and inviting ways. I agree. I, th- I think that people are, are searching. They're looking for something of substance. Yeah. They're looking for something authentic. And I tell you, when people find... Authentic believers who are, you know, passionately pursuing Jesus, yeah. and who have had that experience that you talked about, that you've had yeah. in your own life, that they've had this real life experience. There's something mm. very attractive about that that gets their yeah. attention. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think we have something to offer, and that is the authenticity mm. of an active, living God who's engaged in our lives, and we just need to be invitational when mm. people experience that. Mm. Mm. Well, would you mind leading us in a prayer for our nation right now? I would love to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you love our nation. You love Australia. We want to thank you that you are always at work, sometimes in ways we don't always see, but we can know in faith you are at work. And we would pray that you would continue to draw those who are yet to know you, yet to know the life you bring, yet to know the life, the hope, the security, the peace, uh, the purpose that you bring, that you would continue to draw them. And we would pray for us, those who know you, that you would give us wisdom and clarity in how we invite people into this wonderful reality of knowing you. 
Lord, would you let your hand be on this nation in ways we haven't seen before? And we just declare the harvest is ripe. And we would pray as you taught us to, Lord, send workers out into the harvest field. Mm. In Jesus' name, Mm. amen. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for praying. Thank you for coming in, being part of this this morning. Oh, it's been great to be here. Thank you for having me. And if you want to connect with uh, Adam or uh, find yourself in uh, in Adam's uh, church there, the Real Life Christian Church, uh, which is in southeast Queensland, RLCC for Real Life Christian Church, yep. rlcc.com.au. That's right. That's uh, real easy. Thank you so much. Blessings for you and uh, and for your wife, Claire, and your, your two boys. Thank you very much. And everything that you do, may the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 